G'day, War Stompers. AOS Coach here, and we are talking all things. Uh, my guest is already laughing at me. What is going on? Here I am trying to do a professional introduction because we are talking about Sons of Behemoth uh, or Behemoth. Uh, I have Chris Schelling, the number one ranked ITC player, uh, incredibly active in my Discord server, and I want to get under the hood of the Sons of Behemoth. In 2023, we have the General's Handbook, which is all about Antorian locuses. We have just had this book, the uh, Dawnbringers 2, Reign of the Beast, uh, Beast, Brute, Reign of the Brute. Uh, and I want to talk about some of the changes that has come into this book. So for any of you who are thinking about it, there is this new type of build. So we're going to unpack a little bit about what Chris is thinking about as Sons as a faction in general. Do we like this particular build? Is it worth the trade-off from the other parts of our book and all the other stuff that is going to come about? And we'll share some lists and we'll talk Sons because like they are an army near and dear to my heart and for you. And I might, Chris, give an introduction. Who are you? Where are you from? And why are you one of the, the big stompers in the mortal realms? Hello, oh, Chris Schelling. Um... I play uh, out of Houston here, and uh, the Suns is an army I just can't haven't been able to get away from ever since I painted it up. Um, ever since I guess three years ago now, or I think I watched the the first Suns video you made and thought, you know, maybe I should get into this army, and uh, and here I am. Um, and uh, I was laughing earlier because what better army to to have a have a grin on your face and laugh while you're playing. It's so it's such a fun army. I think that's the thing that I've learned. And I remember when it got announced. Um, I, can't, was, I don't know if it was Nova. No, it wasn't Nova. It was before that. I remember it being announced on the Games Workshop stream, and I'm like, "This is the faction for me. This is the monster truck toy faction." And I remember picking it up for the first time. I remember um, actually going to my very first event, and at the same time, Games Workshop had asked me, "Can you write like a Meta Watch article about Suns?" And I'm like, if I fail and I go like one and four and I've just talked up sons and how I'm an expert and all this stuff, I'm like, I'm in trouble. Luckily, I went four once. I did the opposite. But it's just been an army I love. Like, it's a fun army to paint. It's a fun army to convert. It's a fun army on the table. And it's so liberating. Like, you got deployment shenanigans. I don't care. You got all like a million wizards. I don't care. Like, what's on the table is what's on the table. Um, but there's a couple of little tricks that have kind of come along the way. So for me, it's just an army I love. I absolutely love this army. Yeah, it's a real fun army to play. It um, really lets you, like when you when you only have between four and six, maybe maybe more models if you really like the, the baby Gargans. But when you, when you don't have a lot of models on the table, it lets you get a lot of uh, experience really uh, with positioning and learning the importance of every little move because when, when when one model is a quarter of your army like a three inch pile in uh can make all the difference um uh but yeah and uh yeah i originally picked them up i wanted it was a painting project mostly i didn't play the tournament a while because it was it was late pandemic here and i uh I picked them up and painted them, and then the first game I played was the first game of AOS 3 that I got a chance to play right after the AOS 3 came out, and I played them. I'm like, oh, these guys are good. Uh, these guys have a lot of play, a lot of, especially in the new edition. 
Well, let's actually segue to that. So the last 12 months, so General's Handbook 2022, we had season one, which was about the Galatian veterans. We saw bounty hunters and it was a season that we didn't get to interact with the rules very much. Then season two, which was the part two of that book, we went into Galatian champions and we had tunnel masters and little heroes that were doing things. And again, another season we didn't get to play in very much. Now we've moved to General's Handbook 2023. We are in the uh, realm of Galatian, not Galatian, but uh, Antorian Locuses, which is the wizard meta. So I'll be curious to hear from you, and we'll go through the rules. We'll talk about what we're thinking to handle the primal magic dice and the merciless blizzards and, you know, the current top meta picks. But how are you feeling so far? We're, what, three months in uh, at the time of recording from GBH23? How are you feeling about Suns and our position so far in the competitive landscape? Um, mostly good. There's a few wrinkles, like you mentioned. Blizzard is is it can be a tough one. Um, the 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 FAQ and Battlestar we just got that changed Blizzard uh, slightly so that you can't teleport before you do it is a big help uh, because um, there's no way to really play around it if your opponent can just put a little wizard twelve inches away from your Mega Gargant. But uh, right now, uh, we're in a good spot. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the battle tactics and also uh, just we have more options now. There's two regiments of renown we can ally in, um, whereas you know 12 months ago, we didn't have any allies. Um, but now we can bring in Cruel Boys or Gits, the, the option I like more. But um, And... Like, as you said, we had those two other GHBs after the first one, AOS 3. At the beginning of AOS 3, we had great battle tactics in the GHB we could do. Monster focus, it was a great time. Um, then with each one, the tactics got a little harder. I had, I still had success in the, uh, the, the one with the veterans, the bounty hunters, and stuff mm. like that. There were still good battle tactics for us to do. And then in the age of Galatian champions, it got uh, harder, and we did start to struggle a bit. But the tactics changed in this new GHB, um, and at first glance, you might look at them and think like they aren't that great for us. But uh, there's more play there than it seems, and uh, there's a it's it's not the impediment it was in the last GHB. No, I'm, I'm feeling like the missions are relatively favorable to us. They're certainly not easy to exploit. There are still ones where, you know, you get an extra battle tactic if there's an Antorian Locus on there. So it's not like it's playing into our strengths, but you're right. When you look at the battle tactics available in the General's Handbook, you look at potentially where you can... A lot of the battle plans being used at tournaments at the moment have very compressed. So you, with your fast movement, with your large base sizes, you can control objectives quite well. And there's some things you've still got to work around. So it's not like it's an easy win. And I was looking at some of the stats before we started and, um, you know, Games Workshop is saying right now our win percentage is 52% which is a little bit weird because they, I think they look at a six month rolling. So they would still have some yeah. general's handbook season two stuff. But even when I looked at like Wohammer, Wohammer has been doing a different version of their stats and they have us kind of smack bang in the middle at 48% win rate around the same as like IDK and Nurgle and Lumineth. And there has been a couple of podiums for, for, for Gargans in this, but they've all been 
um, in small tournaments, like tournaments that are like 20 players or less. There's been no five and O's. So again, we're not the big bads like Corn or, you know, Gits at their peak or um, Seraphon. There's a whole bunch of armies that are obviously Soulblight and, uh, and uh, Ossiarch. But we're kind of in this middle range where, you know, probably the thing that I, I learned recently is people have kind of almost moved away from the damage the damage output. Like, can you pull down a Mega in turn one? And outside of Blizzard, I think a lot of armies can't. They're not building to that kind of build. Yeah, um, you don't see a lot of armies doing that because, like you mentioned, those others, OVR and Soulbait Gravelords, they... They are really good at reducing the amount of damage they take or just making it ineffective by recycling units. And so armies that might do a ton of damage, like Iron Jaws, uh, Daughters of Cain, um, you know, they, they don't see as much play because if you do 60 wounds to a unit of zombies, they're just going to die and then come back again. Um, so the amount of damage in the meta is is lower. Um, additionally, uh, another factor that helps us out is uh, grand strategies. Uh, we might talk about that later, but um, the grand strategies in this GHB are not easy to do. Um, so, but we have, I'd say at least two or three good ones in the book. So um, we have an advantage right there. If this, three points that you know they're not guaranteed but uh they're not hard to do either the uh current general's handbook grand strategy is a lot harder when you're looking like spell casting savant we can't use that you've got overshadow you've got a couple of ones where most armies are it's a it's a dice roll um not literally a dice roll but like it's yeah. not a guarantee it's not a guarantee but for us, like there's a couple of ones, if you play your cards right, you will always get your grand strategy. Um, and I think you and I probably still have the favorite grand strategy and it's, it's consistent. So you're right, between a couple of favorable battle tactics, a couple of favorable grand strategies, um, the, the current landscape of the meta, we're actually in a, in a decent spot. And we have this new um, armies of renown called um, King Broad Stomp that is going to add some interesting list diversity that we're going to talk about in a second. But before we do that, I want to talk about some of the changes that happened in this general's handbook for us. So we saw some points decreases. And for me, the one that I'm most excited about is the, um, the Gatebreaker, who's now down to 500 points from memory. Yes. Um, I think a couple of other armies, other megas and, and units kind of got points decrease. Um, there has what, what else has changed for us like there's that obviously uh the flaming weapon that used to come from arcane tome is no longer there that was a change before this general's handbook is there any other changes that's kind of happened recently that has impacted us like positively or negatively well uh you said the arcane tome uh changed that that hurt us a little bit because the war stomping regarding really like the arcane tome uh and it can still see play with us because Mystic Shield is still maybe the best spell in the game. But, um, and you mentioned the Gatebreaker went down to 500. The War Stomper went down to 450, which is which is pretty inexpensive for what he does. Uh, Broad went down to 520, which is still a little expensive, but it helps him fit in with, with the other Megas better. Um, and... 
Um, I got one. I got really, one more change. If you if you've forgotten it, I think it's an important one. Do you want me to share it? What's that? The battalion change where bosses of the stomp is now oh, yes. both one drop and the artifact. Where previously you had to choose either it's the enhancement or the one drop. Now you get both. So we can. Yeah, we be get a we get all drop. our toys now, which is nice. Mm. You can be you can be one and get uh, two artifacts in your null stone, or you can be two drops if if you don't mind being two drops and just have something for everybody in your army. Um, other than that, like the biggest change in recent memory, other than that stuff is just our book. Our book isn't that old. It it was like last November. Um, hasn't even been a full year yet. So. I think there's probably one other change that I'll call out. And last season it was really hard for us. And I think this season it's as close as hard it was is um, the changes to look at, sir. And um, it's part of the reason why I can't justify putting a Kraken Eater in my list anymore because I used to love running the Kraken Eater. It would throw those 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 couple of rocks. It would do enough chip damage for me to take out those small heroes because, you know, like you throw the big rock from the, the Gatebreaker and it's like rocks or diamonds. It's either like you're dead or I've completely whiffed. And the Kraken helped me with consistency, and there's obviously other things that it can do. But the changes to look out, sir, and um, even the last season made it hard to snipe those little heroes. And without that, like you're relying on your little babies, you don't have mortal wounds like from range to, to deal with them. And I found that, that that's an interesting little challenge to work through. Do you have any thoughts on the lookout, sir, changes for the current season? Well, to be honest, it, I don't think it affected my play much. I, uh, well, for one, um, I'm a little notorious for disliking the Kraken Eater Mega Gargant. It's the uh, despite playing these these guys for for a few years now, I've never played a Kraken Eater. It's just uh, I've just not a War Scroll that's appealed to me. The, uh, um, but the range attack from the Gatebreakers. Um, it's it's always tempting to use them to snipe heroes, and and you can you can weigh the like the, the decision when you're in the game, but I find more often than not I'm just using the gatebreakers to clear out screens with their shooting attacks, a little ten man screen of witch elves or ungors or something, two gatebreakers can clear most of those guys out, and then you can just charge into the guy who's left and uh, take him out with the charge mortals and bounce around him, um, but. So the lookout sir, like it took away an option for us. It makes the one of our battle tactics in the book a little harder than it used to be. Uh, but um, I don't think it's affected me too much. I'm not saying that it's a massive impact. It's not like my strategy has completely crumbled, but it's yeah. something where sometimes there's a, an army. Let's say it's like Seraphon, for example, right, where you've got this wizard castle and you need to take out that little minor hero. Or you've got that little, you know, blizzard wizard git that's like a five-wound idiot you just want to throw some rocks at. Yeah. It, it becomes hard. And then being a ranged, uh, being a melee force, you're in combat, and then you're in 12 and they blizzard you. So... It's just one of the factors you need to play around, but it's certainly not going to cripple your win. Yeah. Do you want to get into the new rules? So that's kind of like yeah. where we're at. I think I think we're in a, a decent spot. Uh, we're kind of like, we're not the worst army. We're not the best army. No. Um, uh, yeah, as you said, we haven't, there hasn't been a, a, a 5-0 finish this GHP yet, or probably in some time for Gargans to tell the truth. Yeah. Um, but... 
uh, I think we're obviously capable of going four one, and um, I think a five zero is just would just require some luck because even though like we said, there's not as many high DPS armies out there, there are high damage armies still out there, um, and you can you can get unlucky and, and run into one and or just uh, even our matchups against armies like OBR and Soulblight. Like, it's not the worst, um, but it, it's still up in uphill battle. I was going to say, uh, one of my biggest struggles of late with Suns has been OBR. When you've got all of these Immortus Guard, you don't have the damage output, and that's probably been one of the differences between the last Battle Tome and this Battle Tome, is that the damage doesn't isn't as much. We've got more tricks like, you know, um, shutting down Inspiring Presence, and there are other things, but... I just found I didn't have the damage to grind out those six Immortus Guards, and then they can kind of regenerate, and it's just like, oh. Or at the same time, without the Flaming Weapon, it's hard to wipe out that yeah. um, that, that unit of zombies where that would have been critical to, to get rid of them. Yeah, in the overall matchup, uh, we really have to like depend on Roar to keep us alive in fights. If you fail that Roar, then... Immortus Guard will take out a Mega in a turn. And then, um, uh, but if you get the Roar off, then you can hold your own against um, some Immortus Guard or Stalkers and uh, keep them from grabbing an objective from you. And that usually ends up being the game plan. I have found we do have the damage to take out like a block of six Immortus Guard, but it requires you to play a list that's very tailored to it you have to play multiple great breakers and broad to give them more rend and i've done that before but in the, in the process i end up failing a bunch of battle tactics because of the army build um because of the bloodlust because yeah. of bloodlust you're like i want to kill these six bloody immortus guard <laughs> um so let's get into the new stuff right so this book is literally hitting the shelves i think at the time of recording so um you can pick this up if you want to affiliate codes by the way are in the episode but that has nothing to do with things let's talk about the rules here right and for anyone who followed the dawnbringer rules from season one sorry dawnbringer one to dawnbringer two is the dawnbringer one books had this thing called um regiments of renowned where it was like a package of mercenaries or allies that you can bring into your force. So Chris mentioned earlier, there was the um, the Cruel Boy one that gave us a bunch of Man Skewer Bolt Boys and uh, Beast Skewer Bolt Boys. This, then then there was the um, the Gits version where there was like the Rabble Rouser, a bunch of like Squeak Hoppers and the Palooza, And they were a little package. Now you have this thing called a reg an army of renowned. Now the difference is, and, and um, Chris and I were talking about this before we started the stream, is that the difference with the the army of renowned is that you have to follow the rules exactly what's on the screen so what that means is that you can't take um uh, grand strategies from outside of this it means you can't take battle tactics outside of it um your core battalions or your war scroll battalions so for us like it's not gonna you, you're sacrificing your your battle regiment your bosses at the stomp in order to use this particular well, you battalion. can still use the uh you can still use the battle regiment you can use the core book uh battalions but you just can't use the battalions from your from your own army book is what it in says. addition the following rules from this faction oh sorry it's from the faction battle tome so yeah in addition the uh the following rules from the faction battle tome are not in use so there's stuff that's 
outside. So um, bosses at a stop and um, what's the other one? What's the other battalion we've got? I rarely use. Foot sloggers. Foot sloggers, yes. I've used it once, I think. Yeah. That one also got changed so that you can get swift and unify at the same time. So if you have a bunch of uh, man crusher gargants, there's, you might as well take it. Yeah, I don't mind it actually. I'll usually put like Brod in there, and not that it matters which mega goes in there, but like have Brod and a couple of um, man crushes. So it is a little, it's a little bit more restrictive, but you are going to get a whole bunch of cool rules. So um, first things first, you've still got your mightier Max Rydia, so we don't have to worry about that too much. Your megas still count as per the wall scroll. Your babies do count as ten. No change there, right, Chris? Yep. No, no changes. They just. Uh... Change the name to this realm is ours, but um, uh, yeah, because the uh, the army of renown rules say you don't get your allegiance abilities from your book, but they went ahead and added ours back to this one. Um, yeah, still, still megas count as what they say in their world scroll and babies to attack. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 that, so that you haven't lost that rule, um, but where you've gained some extra rules, and we'll compare it against the current rules from the battalion, is first off you've got the World Titan Prophecy, where um, if you if your army includes a King Brod, King Brod has a ward of a five plus while he's within three inches of any other friendly units. Yeah, it's a it's a very good rule, and uh, while you don't have to take King Broad and King Broad Stomp, which is curious, um, this rule, like, why wouldn't you? Uh, a five of ward—that's that's the old amulet of destiny right there. It's hot because uh, King Broad has 40, 40 wounds, um, so he's got more than a regular without the command yeah. trait. Um, it is also, he has the ability the once per game prayer that heals D3. So you're getting a lot of value from having a five plus ward. Yeah. And we'll see you, you later. Yeah. We're going to have more value, uh, when we get to the command traits and artifacts here too. If you are running a King Brod and you're liking this five up ward, are you thinking about power pairing him with, um, uh, another mega gargant or are you thinking something like a, a man crusher? I think at first everybody thinks man crushers because you could play three individual man crushers. You could have two go off and do their own thing, and one, uh, you know, be Broad's little buddy. Um, I I think that's fine. The issue is it's like it's like if you ever played Stormcast with their Praetors bodyguards. Like if you have a little bodyguard unit like that, your opponent's just going to shoot or attack the bodyguard first, and killing a twelve wound. Uh, baby on a five up save is not very difficult. So um, I like him with another mega, um, especially if that mega also has defensive uh, artifact or command trait, um, just that you have like a power pair. I mean, generally when you're playing mega gargants, like we can spread out a little bit, but it, it's usually best for your megas to stay together to help each other out if, if, uh, if one of them gets charged, the other one can counter charge or just make piling and very difficult for your opponent. So this just this just rewards you for playing the way you should. You should keep your megas close together. Yeah, you'll find King Broad, especially for those who haven't used I've been using King Broad since he was five eighty, I think he was. And he's a cool war scroll. He's got you know, his um obelisk attack is very potent. But he can't do things by himself. Like you really no. need support. The obelisk um, attack is, is is potent, but it's also threes and threes. So it's only four attacks. So but it's um, five damage. It's five damage, right? So when that hits, yeah. it hits. 
The uh, a couple of other things, and there is definitely an FAQ, so I'll pause on that one for a second. Uh, you do have a new uh, monstrous rampage called the King's Stomp. So only a model that's made a charge move in the same phase can carry out this monstrous rampage. The model can make a 3d6 move, but it must finish within three inches of an enemy unit. So literally exactly like the Stonehorn. Yeah, we, we, if you if you played yeah if you played with or against uh, ogres then you know this rule. It's the same thing the Stonehorns can do. Um, when it makes very... the move, just, just to finish off the rule, um, when you make the move, you, you, can, you can essentially fly, so you can move around. Uh, but And then obviously when you uh, finish the move, anything you've passed over on a 2-plus suffers D3 mortal wounds. Sorry to cut you off. I just wanted to get all the rule out. Then we'll kind of unpack it. Like uh, Ogre players love this rule. Are, are we going to love it as well? Oh, I think so. I mean, it is a little bittersweet because uh, we lose the other monstrous actions from our battle tome in this regiment, and uh, our battle tome monstrous actions are also very good. But our battle tome monstrous actions are very focused around uh, uh, play, uh, playing against monsters, and um, you don't see as many monsters around as you used to. Um, so we'll enjoy this one. It just forces your opponent to keep their models close and um, really just messes with their movement positioning. They ha they can't leave uh, a gap that's a five-inch circle. That's about what our bases are um, because uh, if they leave too much space near their little heroes, you'll just charge in, uh, fly over. It also just makes it, in general, just hard, hard to hide stuff from us because of the fact that we have three inch reach on our weapons mm. like um this is this just allows you to get to lots of places you shouldn't be able to get to it's it's interesting right because we do mortal wounds on the charge assuming you roll the two up whatever it works out to be um sometimes i like to roll lots of ones there but you if you're smart right you can charge two units you know hit them for a couple of mortal wounds if your opponent starts clearing out models near the Mega Gargan, it might create more space. If not, they might compress it towards the Mega, and then you can use your 3D6 to reposition, and to your point, with the 3-inch range, you can get into the juicier targets as opposed to being tied up with cheap screens. So um, a lot of interesting play I think you'll need to learn given how big our base size is at 130. Um, you're going to have to think about where you land the charge first, and then um, statistically your average on a 3d6 is 10 so just keep that in mind if you're trying to jump and, and move around like is it just a reposition or will you be able to jump across and get into something and keep that in mind yeah like i mentioned earlier i like to use the gatebreaker rocks to clear screens and this just helps with that strategy of using your your throwing attacks your charge impact mortals um uh, you can use this now to get around screens or at least do more damage to them. And you can do, do it in addition to the normal stomp monsters action. So that's a uh, potential 2d3 mortal wounds to whatever you're in range of, at least. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a good little trick. But to your point, yeah. we are sacrificing Colossal Slam and the, yeah. the one that you like the, the the roaring one where it gives you like uh, the bravery check on like wound characteristic of one and that two one, things. That one, 
I can I can kind of take or leave. Like I've had some good rolls with it, but um, it's not very often. Like unless you're playing against Gits, um, you you don't often run into uh, anything with bravery less than seven or or eight. What? So. Give it a couple of months and we might be thinking about it again with the new Art Boy War Scrolls and cities obviously hitting on tables. It might, sure. might it may, but you're right. Like it, it's not that useful at the moment. Um, the other rule, and this is a contentious rule because it's, it is, there's so much jank in this. So I, I'm going to pre-warn you folks that this is going to change. I don't know how it's going to change but it will have to change. So once per turn in your shooting phase, you can pick one terrain feature and one friendly mega gargant within one inch of it. Okay, so, so far so good. If you do so, roll the dice on a two plus that terrain feature is sundered. Chris, so far so good. Nothing's happened just yet. Yeah, yeah so far so good. Then... If that terrain feature is sundered, so we've rolled the two up with a mega gargant that's been one inches of the terrain feature, you roll a dice for each unit that's been, uh, so each unit that has any models on the terrain feature or is garrisoned in the terrain feature. Okay. On a yeah, two so plus. Far, yeah, yeah, so far yeah. it's good. So far very so similar far, to what the so, gatebreaker does. So yeah. On a two plus, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Okay, that sounds interesting. No problems there yet. It's the next part. Then all models from the unit that were on, that were on or garrisoned that terrain feature must be set up wholly within six inches of that terrain feature and more than three inches from all enemy units. If a model can't be set up wholly within six inches of the terrain feature and more than three from all enemy units, it is slain. The terrain feature is then removed from play. Finally, the Mega Gargant can pick and make a shooting attack for uh, in that phase with the Hurled Terrain Missile Weapon Profile. So it's an 18-inch range, D6 attacks, hits on fours, wounds on threes, rend minus two, D3 plus three damage. So, Chris, what do we think? And, and, what's, and what are we expecting? Um, and why is this, like, on first glance, a problem? Well, uh, I, what I think is that... If you just look at it as it's intended, it, it's a pretty fun rule. You get to pick up terrain and throw it at somebody um, and make a pretty decent like shooting attack. Like it only hits on fours, but um, it's like you're it's like you're picking up terrain and shooting an iron blaster at someone. Um, the problem is um, that that last part of that big paragraph is that uh, all the models that were on the train get picked up and mm -hmm. moved to be Fully within six of it, um, and that includes any Mega Gargants that are on it. Bingo. So if you if you tow your Mega Gargant onto that Wildwood or that piece of cover terrain, uh, and then roll your two up to pick up the terrain, you get to move your Mega Gargant a free a free teleport essentially because um, you know like a Wildwood is not a small piece of terrain you could potentially move up to like 12 15 inches um so that that is contentious because it makes sense if you don't think about doing it when your own units are on terrain like it's a lot like destroying the carriage on overloads overlords boat but um 
towing onto it yourself and then picking up the terrain and getting a free move seems seems pretty cheesy seems like it's possibly not intended um i almost guarantee you folks that this will this will not be for us at minimum at minimum i think that we're not <laughs> going to be able to slingshot ourselves six inches especially when you've got a large piece of terrain where you go from the back to the front as long as you're outside of three inches i i, I got rules as no. written right now yes it, that's exactly what it says enjoy it at your local game store while you can would I be thinking about this as a tactic going into my upcoming tournament that's allowing me to use this book? No, it'll be house ruled, or I think Games Workshop will intercept this and change the, the war scroll to change yeah. the rules. The most likely change seems to be um, to simply just not allow you to do this if you're if you have a guardian on the train. Because um, like it makes sense why they want you to pick up the models on the train, because you're picking up the train piece. You can't easily pick up a terrain piece and put models back down where they were. Um, so just simply simply change it so that the Gargant has to be off the terrain. You can't pick mm -hmm. up something you're standing on. Um, so and assuming... Go ahead. Go on. No, I was going to say, assuming they fix it, it's just uh, a very fun rule. Um, uh, maybe not the best because terrain is actually important for Mega Guardians. Like everybody thinks you want Mega Guardians want a clean, empty field to charge forward, but really you want there to be terrain, especially near objectives, um, so that you can limit how many models can fit around your base, uh, to be mm -hmm. honest. Uh, if a big if a big unit of Gorgruntas charges you, you want to be next to a wall so that they can't get all six Gorgruntas uh in range to hit you um so it is, it is a trade-off it seems like you're getting a free shooting attack but it is, it is a trade-off you've also got to remember like we've got the long shanks rule that allows us to walk over terrain that's for under four inches so you're yeah. right like, it is a strategic piece to the battlefield that you are leveraging or you're removing from the table um what i like about this assuming that part of that rule is going to change i anticipate it will one of the things that I do like that I don't think will change is obviously the hurled terrain attack because things like the War Stomper, things like King Broad do not have a shooting attack. This allows me to get a shooting attack in there. So um, I like that. And if you are playing with a, a Gatebreaker, actually Beast Bash doesn't have one either. Um, but if you are using a Gatebreaker, for example, you can obviously choose which attack is better for you. Do you just want the one attack with high damage and high rend or the D6 attacks, which is a little bit more swingy than the, the Gatebreaker one, but it does have uh, more potential to do damage with you know, D3 plus three. Yeah, I mean, there's, up, no, up there's, no reason you, there's no reason you couldn't do both with a Gatebreaker. And it's 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 a little efficient too. You, you'd think you would want to spread it out, like maybe have Broad pick a train piece up, have the Gatebreakers throw their rocks. But if it... Gatebreaker picks up the terrain, you can use one all-out attack command and you get plus one to hit with the hurled terrain and with the the boulder attack from the Gatebreaker. So, um, yeah, there's no reason uh, the Gatebreaker can't pick it up himself and make the attack. I'm playing the conservative game in case they make you choose one. Like, now, I'm just, I'm being super conservative because this, this rule, this whole rule section is just asking for an FAQ. So, yeah. I'm playing Devil's Advocate if i have to choose one profile or the other you can choose but yes it does look like you get an extra attack i will wait to see what games workshop says 
Yeah, another another thing that might get changed is that you actually you can still do this if you ran. Like you can't make the shooting attack if you ran. But you can do everything before the hurled terrain if you ran. There's nothing that says you have to have not run to pick up a terrain piece. Oh uh, yeah, you would you wouldn't be able to do the shooting attack because you've run, but yes. you can but you, you would be able to still run and then do the terrain part do yeah, the because it's an ability it's an ability yeah. in the shooting phase correct so you can still run like if there's someone if there's a unit on a on a piece of terrain that you want to do some damage to or just make them move you could run forward uh and then pick up the terrain could be pretty dangerous turn one with amber bone you run them in get them onto a terrain feature where someone's set up defensively or it's a sylvaner thing and like it, if, like, if we could take Amberbone in this army, remember, we don't get the artifacts. That's right. That's right. Damn, damn it. Damn it. Yes. And this is this is the thing you've got to remember, folks. I'm, it's something that I've got to remember, is that when you do King Broad Stomp, it's either this or the other parts of your book. You choose yes. what works for you. All right. You're ruining my fun, Chris. So, so far, <laughs> so far, what are your thoughts of this page versus your allegiance abilities as a regular Suns player? Well, I mean... Um, it's all, it's mostly upside. You look, you lose the monsters actions. Like we talked about the ones focused on fighting other monsters. Uh, but otherwise it's, it's upside. Like the allegiance abilities for sons of Bahamut, uh, not counting like the sub factions is pretty slim. It's mostly the mightier makes right here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get mightier makes right here still. And, uh, we lose a couple monsters actions, but we get one really good one. Um, and we get this. Smash all the bits rule, which is uh, a little problematic with how it's worded, but uh, potentially a fun rule. And you're obviously giving up stomp a tribe, break a tribe, smash a tribe. So that's what you're giving up here. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So some interesting rules so far, and we'll go to the other parts soon. Um, because you are giving up your various tribes, you will uh, get your own command traits, your own artifacts, your own grand strategy, and your own battle tactics. So um, with the King Broad Stop, your command traits, so Mega Gargan general only, including unique units. I'll get Chris to explain what that means in a second. And would you make King Broad your general? Um, so you get you can either take a high expectations for plus one attack characteristics on the death grip um, for friendly mega gargans while they're within three inches of another friendly mega gargant. You've also got big eaters. So in the combat phase, if any enemy models are slain by attacks made by a friendly mega gargant, wholly within 12 inches of this general. You can heal up to D, you can heal up to D3 wounds allocated to that Mega Gargant after all its attacks have been resolved. The last one is Loud Loud Mouth Bully. And once per turn in the combat phase, you can pick one friendly King Broad Stomp unit. Uh, that's everyone obviously in the King Broad unit. Um, the sub-faction. Uh, that's wholly within 12 inches of this general. If you do so until the end of that phase, you use the top row of that unit's damage table regardless of how many wounds it's suffered. So do we like this? And if you're going to choose this, which is the one that stands out to you the most? Uh, I, I do like these. I do like them. Uh, I like two of them uh, better than our other options, which in this army, since you don't get the command traits from our book, your other options are like Master of Magic and the other stuff from the uh, the core rules. Um. As far as, so 
uh, start at the top, including unique units. So that means if you do choose to make Broad your general, uh, you can give him one of these command traits. Um, I don't think that's something you'll do often. Uh, I think it's more of just a narrative choice. This is King Broad Stomp. Um, it makes narrative sense that King Broad would be the general of the army. But as far as like uh, match play, um, there isn't really a good reason to make Broad your general. He's already a war master in the army. So um, two generals is better than one, just in, in every case. Um, and just for anyone who doesn't connect the dots here, why why would that be important? Oh, uh, uh, for for many reasons. For command point reasons, um, you only receive a command point at the start of each of your turns if your general is alive. Uh, if you have a, war, a broad as your war master and you have another mega guardian as your general, um, uh, one of them can die. You still get your command points at the start of your turn. Um, having being a war master or a general lets you issue commands up to eighteen inches away, which can be handy. Um, if you're playing all Mega Gargants, it's less important because they can just issue commands to themselves. But if you're playing Man Crushers, um, it's important, especially since Man Crushers get to run in charge near your Gargants. So um, having two Mega Gargants who can issue commands up to 18 inches away is very nice. And mm -hmm. um, and also, like Broad already gives out buffs to your army, and it's nice to spread out your buffs. So if you're taking something like High Expectations or Big Eater, um, you have that on another mega target so that uh, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. So are they the two, by the way, that you would pick? So you'd either pick High Expectation or Big Eater? I think the winner here is Big Eater. Uh, high Expectations is nice because the Death Grip attack, um, it's a nice attack, but it's only one on these mega guardians. Having it go to two, um, it just it's another D6 damage potentially against monsters that's pretty strong. Um, mm having two death grips against monsters is potentially like on average it's a lot of damage um the big eater um like the wording's a little confusing because it only works if the mega gargant is wholly within 12 of this but it's per mega gargant and it's when they uh fight and whenever they kill a model they get heal d3 um and uh, just once that's not much but you know over the course of a battle 10 combat phases that's a lot of healing um Especially when you combine it with the fact that Broad has a ward in this army. Um, we're going to see soon there's another way to get a ward. Um, so whatever you can combine wards with healing, that's just a lot more damage your opponent has to do to you. And if you've played against um, like Vampire Dragons or Arcan lately, you know how powerful it is to heal after you fight things. It mm. just makes you harder to kill in the combat phase in general. Um, so yeah, I think Big Eater's the, the choice here. Yeah, uh, look, obviously there's two school of thoughts here. You've got the people who love to smash and they build around smash, so high expectations is going to be great for you. For someone like me who plays defensively traditionally, like I'll always take the command trait to give my general plus five wounds. I'll look for the I'll look for the Amulet of Destiny for a six-up ward. I'll always look for like healing because the power, from my opinion, is the longer I keep my mega guard on the table and denying objectives, the longer the lead I'm building. So um, I would probably, if I'm going to choose any, I'm, I'm going big eaters. Um, Loudmouth bully is fine. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think I need, because they don't degrade as quickly as they used to, right? They know? don't so, degrade as quickly as they used to. And also like, I think Loudmouth bully would have more consideration if you could do it for the whole turn and have it so that you use your top profile for counting on objectives um 
but since this is just the combat phase, it's just going to affect your attacks. And our attacks don't degrade that much at first. It's only when you get to, down to your last profile um, that you, you lose out on a bunch of attacks. Um, and I guess the argument would be, you know, healing D3 and, you know, obviously you've got Heroic Recovery and King Broad can do the, the once per game D3 heal. Like keeping them around the yeah. table healing longer is probably going to give you more value than the, the Loudmouth Bully. Yeah, and I agree with you. Like usually I do take the plus five wounds when I'm playing a Sons of Behemoth army that's not this regiment. Mm. Uh, so you, you don't get to take plus five wounds, but you consider like the unit that has big eater will always be triggering it when they fight because they uh when they fight small models of course uh when because they have the traits and you f you figure they probably heal at least five wounds uh from this in a game unless you're playing against the other mega guardians but that's a whole other matter um but so not only is your general healing but now you're also giving healing to you know anybody who's holy within 12 you've got three artifacts to choose from so again we mentioned earlier your your universal sun's artifacts you know like amber bone for example not on the table your gatebreaker and your war stumper depending on the tribes you used to run not available in this particular build um, but what you do have is you have three mega gargant heroes which is all of your megas um uh it's, it, but we don't have the the unique bracket so uh king broad clearly can't get an artifact you will get a uh, brand of the gargant king you've got lucky shiny hat and then the crafty creepers so brand of the gargant king if the bearer makes a charge move and the unmodified charge roll is an eight the strike first effect applies until the end of the turn uh lucky shiny hat gives the bearer a ward of five plus only against mortal wounds and then crafty creepers at the start of the combat phase you can pick one enemy hero uh, with an artifact of power that's within one inch of the bearer and roll a dice on a five plus that artifact can no longer be used and if it was a weapon it reverts to a regular weapon profile so do we like these and of them which is our favorite or favorites uh i i do like them i don't think i like them as quite as much as the ones in our book. Um, I mean, Lucky Shiny Hat, I think, is probably as good as the ones in our book. But uh, the other two are, are fine. This follows a similar pattern to the Command Trace, really. Um, the first one, Bradley Garden Green, is going to be good if you want to get, if you're in the mood to fight. Like, you take high expectations, you take Bradley Garden King, you're, you're in it to charge him down. Um, uh, Lucky Shiny Hat is my pick from here. Um, a five plus ward against mortal wounds um, is going to be good, uh, especially now with Blizzard running around. Others uh, high sources mortal wounds like Seraphon, uh, like Lord Croak, and potentially uh, the Hurricane. The... When the Hurricane hits the table, doing a whole bunch of mortals in the hero phase. Yeah, um, uh, or just yeah, cities in general will be doing a lot of uh, mortals on sixes to hit or stuff like the Hurricane or spells. Um, so there's a lot of sources of mortal wounds right now and uh having a defense against that is great um i part of the reason i've been playing just playing a little six up ward amulet of destiny lately is because i need something to to help against mortal wounds um 
Crafty Creepers is okay. It doesn't sound great uh, at first glance, but it, it is a powerful effect to take an artifact off of someone. Um, but on for our Mega Gargant, you kind of need something that's going to be more effective more often. Um, like you, you dream of the time that you fight an ethereal zombie dragon and you just take his uh, little cloak right off of him and bash him to bits. But um, when you're fighting a horde of units, like it just doesn't do anything. I was going to say that it is a creep, crafty creepers is a great situational artifact, but it is situational. And in that example, and we are moving, seeing the meta moving away a little bit from the ethereal vampire lord on zombie dragon because of blizzard. Um, what you are, you know, like for me, when I'm finding myself in that situation, I'm just using the the mega gargant, like the gatebreaker, yeah. just doing that, that that four up, forty six mortal wound smash, and it's a fifty fifty shot. This is a one in three shot where um, I may not ever roll that five up, and I'm just constantly grinding with a like I'd just rather. I yeah. suppose you need to do both, right? Like I can try to get rid of it, and if not, then I do the um, the the four up. Yeah. And uh, like outside of the Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon and really other Mega Gargants, you don't see a lot of big fighty heroes with with artifacts right now. There's not a lot. There's not a lot. Um, you're right. You, you're more the... often, you're more likely to see little wizards with artifacts who are trying to stay away from you. <laughs> question from Plastic Crack um, Peter Atkinson, um, which is a good question in regards to the the, the five up ward against mortal wounds. Do you think it's better to have the five up mortal wound save, or would you still go with the amulet of destiny for the six plus ward against everything? I think I would go with the five up mortal wound save right now with Blizzard around because even after the change in this most recent uh, battle scroll, it's it's still something you have to watch out for, um, and with Seraphon. Uh, being a heavy hitter right now and like you mentioned earlier cities uh the five up is going to be good and i think um the big eater command trait helps with this decision too because you, you are going to have healing on the side um for when you're you know just fighting regular wounds yeah no i can see that i can i can definitely see that uh, especially in the current uh, competitive landscape right now, where there are a bunch of mortal wounds being thrown around, I probably would want the five up ward as opposed to the six. But if I chose the six, it's not a bad investment. It's just you're getting value when you're not being mortal wounded, which is also high render tax, which helps, especially when you put in, you know, finest hour, you know, um, outside of this build, obviously, you know, glowy of, of shield protection. Glowy Shield of Protection in other builds is helpful for, yeah. for Ren mitigation. But yeah, I think I think five up ward is definitely worth the exploration when you also factor in the um the, the King Broad five up ward as well. So that's potentially a double five up ward you've got in your faction, let alone healing. Yes. You have a grand strategy. Now I'm going to fast forward <laughs> over this grand strategy because it is, I don't want to call it hot garbage. It's just, you can't achieve it. So this is another one of those things where I think they're going to have to FAQ it specifically because it says when the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy. If there is no more terrain features on the table. Now, why is, uh, why can't I do that? You might ask, well, Chris, that's a great question. 
because I can only once per turn in my shooting phase take out a piece of terrain. Now, Chris, how many pieces of terrain is on a battlefield in Age of Sigmar, traditionally? Uh, traditionally, I'd say between six and eight. If you go to a GT, it's going to be eight. Um, and remind me again, how many uh, rounds are in a, a game that I could be do sh doing my own shooting attack? Uh, usually just five. Okay, right. So there's five rounds and eight terrain features. Yes. It really does feel like um, at some point the rule must have changed from once from from as many per turn to once per turn, or um, or maybe they let you include the smash effect from uh, monstrous actions. Uh, I guarantee uh, you. I guarantee you. In playtesting, it was every mega gargan could do it, and then they know. just forgot to change the, the 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 grand strategy. So right now. It's bad. I can't do it. Don't pick it. Move along. But if it changed a little bit, and obviously this could just be if you um, flatten five pieces of terrain, let's say it's a, it's a once per game thing, like every turn you flatten terrain, would you take it? I still would. It becomes a gamble then because you still have to roll a two plus, uh, if I read the last rule right, to, to pick up a piece of terrain. So, um, if, yeah, yeah, you have to pick your all the two plus at the very beginning to sunder the terrain. Um, so you're banking on like it's not an issue getting to five pieces of terrain. Um, that's that's doable. The issue is uh, rolling five two ups in a row. Like you said yeah. already, you know how often you miss those charge impact mortal wounds on a two up. Or how many times I failed the the uh, the death grip. Like it's yeah. always like you roll the one to hit and you're like, oh, but uh, so uh, I I forget the math at the moment, but I think rolling five two ups in a row is is not that's not great. I think it's probably close to a fifty fifty or less. Um, so uh, I probably wouldn't take it. Not as we'll probably discuss. Like our other options from the general's handbook are also a little rough. Uh, but at least those you have some control over. Let's pause it for now because we're just guessing what it could look like and it may be completely rewritten. It could be something, who knows what the what the rules are going to be, but I would just like watch this space here. It could be a good grand strategy. It could be something that's super unachievable. We'll pause that one for a minute. The other one I want to talk about really quickly is the battle tactics where you've got three battle tactics for your King Broad Stomp armies only. So again, if you're not using King Broad Stomp, you can't use these as your uh, your grand strat choices, so your battle tactic choices. Um, good shot, her, her, is you complete the battle tactic if an enemy unit was destroyed during this turn by an attack made with the Hurled Terrain Missile Weapon. Thoughts on this? That it's very similar to the one for the book that we can't use in this in this uh, regiment uh, splat, which was to just destroy a unit with one of the ranged attacks from a, either a gatebreaker, a kraken eater, or a baby. But um, I mean, I don't. You don't want this to be your battle tactic, but it's a good one to keep in mind in case you just don't have anything else you could accomplish. If there's a if there's a unit with like four wounds or less on the table. This is what I did do the math for. Um, you have, it's 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 about a 
percent chance to to do it 45 ish uh, so it's not zero but you're depending on multiple dice rolls right you have the two out of the pick of the train then you have a d6 amount of attacks and they hit on fours base so um and you have to choose uh if an enemy, okay, you don't have to choose which enemy unit you're destroying, but it should be obvious. Uh, when you do it, your opponent's going to see their little four wound hero uh, and, and know that you're going to try to fight, uh, kill them. Or it could be a unit that's got attrition yeah. on them and there's like two or three wounds left on the unit, um, which is not a bad choice. D6 attacks, D3 plus three. You just need at least one of those to go through for the, for the minimum four damage. So you, it's probably a late game play. Uh, I wouldn't be using it turn one, two, or three unless there was like a situation that had arisen that there's that one or two models that um, uh, you know, pass battle shock and is just sitting there and like clogging me up. But otherwise, it's a bit of a desperation tactic. Like unreliable, a lot of failure points, a lot of failure points. Second one is the King's Conquest. So you complete the battle tactic if a friendly King Broad and one other friendly King Broad Stomp unit are contesting the same objective at the start, so at the end of this turn, and the objective was controlled by your opponent at the start of the turn. So basically, opponent holds an objective, you now control it with King Broad and a friend. I mean, this is just uh, this is just a slam dunk. I mean. King Broad's going to have a friend most of the time uh, with his award ability from the last page. So uh, this is simply just taking a, an objective from your opponent uh, with, with Broad and his buddy. Um, it's easy to do probably most of the time. Uh, it's not one you can do turn one very often um, unless your opponent moves forward. Uh, like if you're going at the bottom of turn one, then maybe you can do it. If you're going first in turn one, it's likely very difficult. You'd have to charge into your opponent's. You'd have to run into your opponent's territory, and uh, possibly doable, but inadvisable. <laughs> Unless there's like a like a law seeker or like a pre-game move has got somebody onto an objective. But yeah, you're right. Top of turn one, pretty unlikely. Bottom of turn one, possible. Turn two and beyond, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 uh, after after turn one, uh, it becomes very likely. The last one is clear amount, where you pick one objective on the battlefield that you do not control. You complete this battle tactic if at the end of this turn you control that objective and that objective is contested by a friendly King Broad Stomp unit that made a charge this turn. So objective you don't own, you now own it, and you charge to get it. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is very similar to the last one because... Um... When you're doing King's Conquest, last one, it's very likely you're going to charge King Broad and his buddy to take the objective. So clear them out. Um, similar, uh, you do have to be careful of redeploys um, because you do have to finish the charge. Um, but yeah, it's solid. Again, another one that's uh, top of not a top of one option most of the time. You would have to really bring. Uh, some man crusher gargants, they might be able to do it, both they're running charge um, and the plus two inches of move from Broad's Prayer. But um, again, once once your opponent comes in charge range, this becomes a, a tactic 
that's very easy to do. So two out of three good battle tactics and one that's situational depending on one, how the terrain rules change, two, uh, obviously when the situation arises where you've got a unit with like four wounds, like if you're on that four wound sweet spot, you're probably in a good position, but there is a lot of failure points at the two up, pick it up. Obviously you want to roll decently on the D6, the four up to hit. There is a couple of failure points, so um, it's not a it's not a, a sure a sure success. Yeah, and I want to say the battle tactics here, this does represent a positive change from the book battle tactics. Um, our book battle tactics are uh, focused on fighting against monsters, much like the monsters' actions. Um, and if you're playing an army, if you're playing as someone who didn't bring any monsters, um, you often just don't accomplish battle tactics from the from the book. Um, uh, unless you brought a Kraken Eater to kick an objective around and score a tactic. Um, or so you've got a beast, or a beast smasher who can do two monstrous rampages, but even still, like again, it's... again, but yeah, you, but again, you have to have your opponent has to have brought a monster into the battle. Yeah. Um, whereas these three, uh, like, uh, the King's Conquest, clear them out, don't care what your opponent brought to the battle and can be done with any any of the models in your army with broad yeah yeah you're right like when i'm re-looking at the sun's battle tactics like look it's situational like but you know fury of titan splat colossal violence man skittles they're all re- even like wrecking crew like i hate trying to put my battle tactic purely on my gatebreaker hoping for the two plus like it's just like that i don't want to i don't want to set this whole thing up and lose it on one dice roll of it's not one. even a like, two plus just... anymore the Gatebreaker oh, lost his plus one of the last battle tome. Oh, that's right. It's a three plus, which I mean, that is a tactic I've been doing often. Um, but it is a three plus, which is stings. Yeah. The last time I tried it was getting into a uh, beast of chaos herdstone, and I I rolled a one on the two up when it used to be the plus one on your smash yeah. to rubble roll. So that's how that's how long it's been since I've used that rule because I just don't rely on them. I, I fury titan colossal of violence probably more useful to me because you know there usually is one monster. In, in most cases, there is one monster, but um... lately it, it can depend. Uh... If you're playing against a lot of uh, like uh, Soulbreak Gravelords, uh, unless they brought the Vampire Lord, they're probably not playing a monster or like Caradron Overlords or like uh, even Seraphon might not be bringing any monsters. Uh, Seraphon often has like a Troglodon. I mean, some some builds will have the Troglodon to increase the range. But yeah, I get your point. Yeah. Like, you know, Slanesh might not have it with Glutos and just all the Bliss Barbs. Or it is a it is a gamble. Like I, I will admit, and I will agree with you that these battle tactics feel more achievable than the ones in our current book. So, yeah. um, before we move on, current verdict of the King Broadstomp. Do you like it? Would you run it? Um, and if you if you were going to run it, um, would you run four megas, or would you run some babies as well? I like the battle tactics, the command traits, the artifacts. Like it, it, it's all good stuff. What concerns me is what we lose, uh, uh, and obviously, like the inachievable grand strategy is is bad. But uh, what we lose is. Uh, I mentioned earlier we have good grand strategies in our battle tome that you don't get to take here. Um, 
and you lose those uh, uh, bosses of the Stomp Battalions, uh, which means you only get one artifact. Um, there's no way for us to get another artif two artifacts or more in this uh, regiment. Um, and it also means you're stuck at either uh, four drops if you go play four megas, or if you want to play some man crushers, you can get down to three drops. Um, or I guess possibly two drops if you play a lot of man crushers, but that's probably not what you want to do here. Um, but I do like that. I do like four megas in this army because I do think Broad wants to be buddy with a mega for a while, at least in the game, so that uh, his five foot ward sticks around until his friend has to either go take an objective or or dies. And um, uh, it's just if you're gonna play four megas, it also gives you the most bonuses. If you look at the other the sub factions we have, Stomper. Uh, Stopper Tribe, Breaker Tribe, etc. They don't offer a lot of bonuses to a four mega Gargant list. Um, Stomper Tribe and Beast Smasher, I don't think add anything for four megas. Uh, they're all their rules are for man crushers and uh, the uh, and, and like your, your, yeah. your Breaker Tribe, for example. Like what you find, and you're right. Like what you find is in the other tribes. It's like you've got to go all in. So I've got to run all the breaker, uh, the gate breakers, to get benefits in the gate breaker tribe, or you've got to do war stuff. Like, it's just too much. There's no one force to kind of combine your all your variety. Like I like lists that'll have a gate breaker, broad, a war stomper, or a beast smasher. Like I like having a couple of different megas to fill different roles. I don't want to go spamming on one particular model. You're right. This one does let me feel like I get to tap into various mega gargants and get some benefits across the board rather than just putting it all into the uh, the the man crushes. Yeah, it, it lets you. Uh, it gives us, it gives them something. Uh, you bring your beast smasher, your or your crack eater in this in this uh, army. They'll get to pick up the terrain, just like Broad or whoever else, and they'll get if you take big eater command trait, uh, they get to heal too. Uh, they get the monster action. So, um, it just remains to be seen if that's worth not having bosses of the stomp in the grand strategy, and that's what. I'm afraid of with this is um, you're going to be really on the game plan of controlling the primaries because getting your three points for your grand strategy is going to be dif difficult. Um, and I've also found that uh, uh, controlling uh, the turn one battle tactic like did not get any easier in the uh, like that's an issue with our book too though so um, that didn't change. It's just uh, the turn one battle tactic is going to be tough if you have to go first, and it's a mission where you can't easily do intimidate the invaders. Um, and it's one of the reasons I like the regiments of renown, which you can't bring in this army. Uh, you're All not right. allowed to bring any any allies. So. All right. So what I'm hearing from you and uh, my thoughts as well is the rules are interesting enough. I would not put them into trash. I think that they are worth exploring. I think um, they're worth worth testing, but it depends on what you want to build around. If you're someone who loves to run Stomper Tribe and run all the babies, this may be not for you. If you love one, if you are someone who runs the wants to run four Gate Breakers now they're at five hundred. 
you might still be better better being in Breaker Tribe. But if you want to run a, a mixed list, I think this is worth exploring, and I'll be watching the FAQs appropriately to see what actually changes. Yeah, mixed list like and, and either four mega gargants or like four megas and three and three three megas and three babies um, would also do fine here. Uh, Correct. I, I would still do yeah, but like you see those war stompers like one mega and all the babies. Yeah. No, this is this is probably yeah, not, not this for you. Not, it's, no. This is not for you. I mean, you can do it. Like I'm not stopping you. Like I'm not your gatekeeper. But it's it, you're not really getting the benefits from from the rules. So that's that's what I'm saying, folks. No, the man crushers can't pick up the train and throw it. So <laughs> no, no. You, at best, you're getting the benefits of the the ward. Um, so let's maybe like you know, in the spirit of time, because I don't want. I think we're here forever if we get into the detail. Because like I think you and I, being very experienced smashes out there we could go into all the weeds right so yeah. let's assume that i don't run the um the the king broad stop right i'm gonna pick up my mega gargants and i want to have a good time or i want to do well at my tournaments where do you think what are the tribes that you think are, are standing up right now in um the, the current season on uh, the current season um i would say um there's not too much of a difference in the tribes. I think you see a lot of Gatebreaker right now in the Breaker tribe, um, just because giving plus one, uh, plus one to hit to your Gatebreakers and Man Crushers is is, is pretty good, mm. um, and this makes them a lot more dependable uh, without having to spend an all-out attack, and lets you do things get lets you get plus one to hit in the combat phase and also do all-out defense, which is pretty good, um, and I think uh, the other tribe. Uh, you might you might take is Stomper uh, because you do see a fair amount of infantry. Like it's not the infantry focus season like it was uh, a couple of GHP weeks ago. Um, but with uh, Hoarfrost as an option that people are casting on their infantry, and with some armies just seeing a lot of play like zombies and other just heavy. Um, Infantry heavy armies, uh, Stomper tribes, nice to get lots of extra damage and clear those pesky zombies out. Is there any reason? I, I would agree with you. By the way, if I'm build, if I'm running my next tournament, I am either taking Stomper or Smasher tribe. My personal preference is Smasher over Stomper, just because I don't like running lots of babies. I like running three or four at most, but I don't want to overinvest in into the to the babies. Is there anything that would change your mind with Taker Tribe or um, the S Smasher Tribe that would get you to reconsider that as a, a tribe? If you if you see if if you know you're going to be playing against a lot of monsters, like if you're just a, you know that your meta is monster heavy, your local meta, um, because as much as we talk about the meta, you know what you see at your local club or GTs not going to be the same as what I see, but then, then Smasher Tribe becomes an option. It makes the the Man Crushers super scary against uh, uh, monsters. Um, but uh, I think I'd have to see a change to the to the Beast Smasher himself. He has a similar issue that Broad has, where he has so few attacks. Like they're very strong attacks that the Beast Smasher has, but so few that uh, you have a real danger of just whiffing and not not accomplishing much um but the smasher tribe does have good command traits good artifacts um if i remember right and 
Well, you, you, you got the art. You got the artifact that that, that glowy t- tattoos, right? Where it's the four up ward. Was it once per game? I think it is. Once, like per, for, once per phase or once per, phase. per turn. Yeah, it's, it's once, once per something. Um, especially now uh, with the heavy magic, like you know, a lot of armies you know they're going to try to do a bunch of mortal wounds to you in the in the hero phase. Uh, as far as Taker Tribe goes, I liked actually liked Taker Tribe in the old book when it affected all your gargants and let them all count for extra. But now with the most recent book, only your Kraken Eaters and babies get to count for more. Um, which, like as we mentioned earlier, really pigeonholes you into uh, into playing Kraken Eaters. Your Gatebreakers, Roar Stompers, Broad, uh, don't get a lot out of being in Taker Tribe. Um, and I, at the moment, I think in our current mission pack, I don't think counting as 30 uh, makes as much of a difference as it no, did before. No, no, you get to take advantage in the past where you could kick an objective and change the value of it. But outside of that, it hasn't, like, the, the, unfortunately, the, um, the, Kraken Eater has kind of fallen by the wayside. And just to clarify something that we said, uh, the the command trait is Seize Green, and it's once once per battle at the start of any phase, you get the four plus against mortal wounds. So, um, yeah. So it could be helpful, like, if you see that wizard coming, that that, that merciless yeah. wizard, wizard coming for you. Um, obviously, they can't teleport anymore, but you're right. Like, it is very situational, and I would need to see that monster meta return uh to to reconsider bringing in a um a beast smasher let alone the smasher the beast smasher tribe yes um and same thing with like kraken eaters i would i would want them want to see it change to let all the mega gargans count for more before i consider playing it because play it like as much as i malign kraken eaters playing one is fine because they do have a battle tactic that they can score uh, pretty uh, uh, regularly, um, but the, the only the only argument I will put into you know, put towards the the Taker tribe um, two two arguments is the glowy lantern artifact will get you some extra magic. So if you want to lean into that and get yourself an endless spell, get yourself you know arcane bolt or mystic shield, not a bad little option. The other one and the thing that always gets me because I love the rule, I just wish I could use it is extremely intimidating where enemy units are within six inches of the general as a command trait can't receive inspiring presence or rally this would have been really helpful like six months ago where you didn't have the rally cap where you had gits going from like a unit of 30 to be able to regenerate all of them on a four plus but now we've got the rally cap it's it's not as valuable but being six inches is not too bad yeah i'd, I'd like it more if you could put it on a Mega that was better in F fighting than the Kraken Eater. I agree. It, it is. I'm it just... is a very. It is a very good artifact. Yeah, or command trait. I don't remember which one it is. I'm um, giving the. I'm giving the Taker Tribe some credit, but yes, it has some and, fundamental issues. Yes. And the yes. Glowy Lantern is is very good. Um, but I like it more when uh, maybe once we get out of this GHB and there's less primal dice around because uh, endless spells just don't stick around. Um, no. 
No, no, you're right. You're right. I, I agree with you. Like, it's funny, actually, because I initially anticipated I would see a lot more endless spells. I don't think the endless spells have actually increased at all. It doesn't seem like people have gone out and started going back to, I remember when lists would have like two or three endless spells in them all the time. But now, like, it, I haven't seen the behavior change at all. Maybe it will later yeah. on. But... You, you, you see a lot of, you see, the only list you see taking more is if they have a lot of wizards who just want more spells to cast, like Nagash, Croak. They have a lot of casts. They need something to cast. They'll cast some endless spells. And they, it, you only see the endless spells that will have an immediate effect on the game. Um, anything that has to stick around for, a turn to have an impact um just just isn't worth it since it can get unbound so easily talk to me about the so we're obviously in the general's handbook right so 2023 is all about entourian locuses we don't have any so just we can't get them we can't get these uh nine wound or less wizards uh not unnamed um but we do get to play around with the primal magic dice so you at the, you know, I hope you by now you will know how to use primal magic dice, how you generate them. We can't get in Entorian Acolyte Battalion either. So at most you're kind of getting what? Four? Four in a battle in, in, a, in, a, in a full turn? If you're going second, you can get up to four. Yeah. So, but um with with all these primal magic dice being thrown around, um are you thinking about getting yourself a wizard like Glowy Lantern, like um, Arcane Tome, or are you finding yourself playing more in this um, uh, the Nullstone adornments where if you don't have a wizard in your army, you get one of these special artifacts, whether it's the polished, polished Nullstone, the Pouch of Null Dust, or the Handcuff? Uh, basically, are you f trying to force yourself a wizard to, to be able to tap into the wizardy goodness? I think the main reason you would try to force yourself a wizard is um, actually for battle tactic purposes, um, for the battle tactic to cast a spell and not have it unbound, um, because that's a relatively simple battle tactic to attempt to do. Um, because otherwise, uh, we're probably just trying to cast Mystic Shield. And with all these primalized floating around and people bringing wizards, and armies that want to cast spells are probably bringing wizards that have bonuses to cast. Um, so you're going to be usually at a disadvantage when you're trying to cast spells. Either they have bonuses to cast or they have the Acolytes Battalion and they have more primal dice than you. Um, so um, I, there is one case in which I like having a wizard, and that's with the Regiment of Renown, the Gits one, where you get to bring the Gobblepalooza. Um, but that's a, more of a special case. If I'm not bringing them, then I probably probably don't bring a wizard. Um, instead, you get to take one of these, and you get to use your artifact on something else instead of the tome, and you get one of these uh, enhancements. Probably the hand carved icon for for uh, so that you can unbind spells without having to use a heroic action. I think one of the other challenges I found as well, especially with my list, which is a three mega gargant list, I'll run broad and then two other megas, whether they're uh, gate breakers or war stompers. If I'm taking the um, boss of the stomp battalion, getting myself an extra artifact, that's two artifacts I've got in my army and you can't have a uh, null stone endowment and an artifact on the same person. So you are essentially trading off one or the other. Do you want Amber Bone? Do you want, you know, uh, 
of an amulet? Do you want, you know, some other type of, you know, artifact depending on the tribe you're running? So it's an interesting trade-off. And I always find that I'm probably, maybe I'm trading off these. Like I, I think the others are still more valuable. I don't know. Because because I run broad. Because I run broad. But if I wasn't running broad, yeah. it'd be fine. I don't think any of these are as good as an artifact. Um, and yeah, if you're running broad or you're running lots of man crushers, you might just not have anywhere to put this since you can't put it on a mega that already has an artifact. Um, so it's it's more just a nice bonus if if your list uh, if you don't have broad in your list, or uh, or you don't want to bring arcane tome, you don't have gobble flues in your list. Um, it's just a nice little bonus. I will say though, the pouch of null dust um, I think is very valuable right now, considering that you can't get a teleporting wizard, so the the um, enemy has to set up a turn in advance. So you now know when they want to try to blizzard you. So being able to go, cool, you now miscast on a one, two, or a three. And um, that can be really, because all you need is probably just to unbind that once. Like if you failed your primal magic dice and you couldn't stop it, um, this this is also not a bad little thing. Obviously you activate this beforehand, but it's uh, it's not a bad little defense for us. Yeah, it's, it's all right. Um... It's one of those artifacts that's um, not artifacts. It's one of those things that's just going to be uh, pretty useful and a good psychological factor in a couple of matchups. If you're playing against Nagash, if you're playing against uh, Seraphon, if you're playing against Zinch, um, at the start of the turn, if you use this pouch, then like your opponent uh, has has a problem. They want to cast a million spells, but every time they go to roll a spell, there's there's uh, there's an increased chance of miscasting, and um, it's not it's not a huge increased chance, but it's it's enough that it can throw a wrench in, in their plans for a turn. Uh, but that said, like against any other, against most other armies where they have between one and three casts a turn, um, you just might forget you even have this. <laughs> Or the, you know you got your OBR that's not really spell heavy, or you've got um, you know fire slayers or corn or KO. You know some of these armies. Um, this uh, back to your point you mentioned. I don't think these nullstone adornments are better than an artifact. I would, there are so many artifacts that I would rather have than one of these. So if you find yourself with your list where you have a space for it, absolutely take one. It's free. If I had to choose between an artifact or a nulled stone, I'm dropping the nulled stone every day of the week. Yeah. I, Do you agree? Anything yeah. else to say? No. Um, go on. No, I was going to say one more thing about the nulled stones. The, the polished nulled stone pebble, um, uh, it does look like an enticing option on Mega Gargants um, because that means if you're Mega Gargants alone, he has a four up spell save. Uh, which is decent. Uh, the issue there, though, is that it means your Mega Gargants alone. Um, for one, that's a problem. So, like, if you're playing King Broad's Army of Renown, uh, and that's an army where you will get to take a Nullstone Enhancement since you can't take Boss of the Stomp. Mm -hmm. um, but in King Broad's Army, you want your Gargants to be together. Uh, and if your Gargants are together, then this 4-up is just going to redirect their spell. And 
uh, it also doesn't help against Horror Frost. Is is the issue with it? I would argue that even outside of King Broadstop, you always want to run. I always run my Megas in power pairs for at least the first yes. two to three turns. Um, once, once like I've started to dominate the board and I've kind of like the attrition and the objective being controlled, then I can kind of split them out and do their thing. But when I'm playing in those first two, if not three battle rounds, I've always got power pairs, whether it is two gate breakers, sorry, two megas or a mega and a baby running around together, getting extra mortals on the charge, being able to slingshot those babies using a mega in range and issuing commands to them. Um, the megas, the, the Mega's damage is never enough, I find. So getting the extra set of attacks and or obviously the baby involved usually is enough to keep me moving as opposed to being tied up because I've got one or two wounds left that I haven't been able to kill. Yeah, you always want those power pairs or even the the power triangle. The three Megas together is just uh, going to control the, all the board around them. Um, I... I call that the Mighty Ducks. That's like the flying V. <laughs> it's the flying V. You've got the two two Mega Gargans, like the Gate Breakers or the Wall Stomper, and then you've got King Broad in the middle, kind of like coming up the board, the flying V. It's, yeah, it's such a powerful formation because, like, um, even like outside of the Army of Renown, it doesn't look like you don't you get any bonuses for doing it, but it just ensures that you you can always hit back at your enemy if if they come at you, or like if you're playing against Caradron Overlords, like. Uh, if they uh, they fly close and get into range to shoot one of the megas down, you have one or two megas who can then counter charge into them. Hmm. Um, so yeah, you 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 want to keep your megas together. I also find having like in my flying V formation the because um, what I normally do right. So let's say I've got two gate breakers and and on the the flanks of the V, then I'll have King Broad or a wall stomper and a gate breaker. It doesn't matter. My King Broad, who's in the middle, can swing the battlefield depending on who needs more help, whether it, the, the opponent has, you know, whatever the, the opponent has done or how the swing of the game is going on, that King Broad can move around and support where required, where I think one mega alone, you just grind and you're getting stuck and you're not, yeah. you're, when you're not charging, you're, you're losing your mortal wounds. You, like, there's so many things you want to be doing. So, um, another reason why I love running three babies because it gives me some utility and I can still leave a person on the backfield and run around support flank or even block something from charging in or vice versa. My megas will actually protect my babies knowing that they can absorb the, the attack and then the little baby comes in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we're not taking King broad stomp in this example. We're now back to our traditional rules. It, What's your favorite grand strat, and why? Oh, I think uh, it, it's it's got to be make the land tremble, um, especially if you're playing uh, any man crushers or you're playing one of the regiments. Um, just doing a run or a charge every turn. Not only is that something you want to be doing, you want to be charging, you want to be running to uh, take objectives or to uh, get to where you want to be. Um, it's something your opponent can have difficulty denying um, if they aren't certain armies or if they don't have enough units to tie you up. Um, in your example with the unit of, with, with three man crushers, um, you can just have one who's running back and forth on an objective while the rest of your army is, is, is accomplishing your goals. Um, and it also it says if any friendly units ran. So if you're playing 
big crick's cruel shots the cruel boys regiment if you're playing uh the uh the rabble rousa and the gits um if you're playing kragnos if you're playing an incarnate for some reason um all these can it works with those Speaking of Kragnos, because one of the questions from Facebook, uh, Sun's Chat, uh, Nikolaj, uh, apologies if I've misspelled your name, had asked, you know, um, does Craggy still have a role to play with Megas? And it's an interesting one because for a while the build was Kragnos, two Megas, and a baby. And that became quite powerful for a little bit. Yeah, at, at the last LVO, I played Kragnos, two Megas, and two babies because. Uh... The points had changed enough where you could fit two babies in there, um, and it's it's certainly good. Kragnos brings a certain, a somewhat reliable amount of damage to the army that you just don't get. Um, like a gatebreaker can potentially do uh, a Kragnos amount of damage, but not nearly as reliably as Kragnos can. Um, and Kragnos gives you uh, three to six charges, um, which is uh, and having long charges is something we didn't have as much of before the battle tome we didn't have amber amber bone uh artifact we didn't have the gets battalion uh, regiment um i think at the moment kragnos suffers uh from a few things uh he has a good spell save but uh blizzard is actually a problem because rolling higher than 12 on 3d6 um it's not guaranteed certainly so he is he is at risk of getting blizzarded um Horfrost is good against him because they can make a whole unit of stuff for in three um uh and there's plenty of other sources of mortal wounds that aren't tied to spells um and we don't we, like we have more mobility options now we don't have to rely on him to get three to six charges and he's just a lot of points in one place um we can we can get for 720 points we can get like almost a mega and almost two babies for that much so or potentially a mega and two babies if you're playing like a war stomper but um the uh he's he's got some issues right now um and in the current ghb there's not a lot of tactics that say i need to actually kill something it's more about making charges retreating uh, being at certain places on the board, um, it's it's less about having to actually like kill things. <laughs> so uh, I think he's he's still fun. He's still fun to play. If you want if yeah. you want to go the strategy of charging as soon as you can and and fighting, uh, he still does that. But I don't think it's optimal right now. He's a lot of points, and uh, going down does hurt a lot, especially being only 16, 18 wounds versus, like, 35 yeah. mega. The the, uh, the counter-argument, and I'm not trying to convince you to take Kragnos, but the counter-argument to you would be if the meta, for example, is, let's say Seraphon is really dominating, and let's say the archetype, actually, not just Seraphon, but let's say it's, like, Zinj, um, Seraphon, Lumineth, the archetype is these castles, right? If you want to break the castle and maybe get get in front of them and smash them before they've got their spells up, being lowest drops as possible, 3d6 charge into them before they've got their buffs up, there is an argument that Kragnos could be valuable in that situation. But in most situations, he's a lot of points, not a lot of wounds. If he goes down, 
you will feel it and you'll probably regret not taking two extra megas or a couple of babies for the same points investment. It does have more smash, but yeah, I haven't I haven't used him for a while for that reason. Yeah, same. And even like with, with what you just mentioned, you can only get down to two drops with Kragnos in your army. Whereas now you can you can be one drop with four megas and get an extra artifact, uh, and have the ability to run in charge and charge three d six if you're playing Stomper Tribe. So, um, uh, what Kragnos brings to your army now is just the ability to hit really hard uh, with a better to hit and wound than a Mega Gargant. But that's not necessarily something we need right now. Uh, I agree with you, by the way, on the Make the Lands Tremble. I think that's still the best one and partially why I've moved away from four megas down to three plus three. Or I think, I think some builds you can even do four babies, four babies and three megas um, yeah. with the points adjustments. Um, but I think I'm, 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 that's how I prefer it because it allows me a lot more flexibility with the little babies, whether it's supporting in the offense, whether it's protecting defense, whether it's going onto the flank scoring objectives, whether it is um, like there's a lot of utility in there, especially for some of the battle plans where there's like five, six, um, or shifting battle plans where like you know one one turn the this objective is active, then another turn this objective is it gives me much more flexibility um, to play the game and then swing my megas where where I need them to be and then just grind and hold objectives. Yeah. The other grand strategy I would uh, consider. Um... And this is if you're playing four megas. And I think if you're playing four megas, this is probably the choice is on the warpath. Um, when the battle ends, you complete it if every friendly unit is within enemy territory. It's not uh so with four megas, the reason you want to take Make Land Tramble is it is easier. You only have four units, it's easier for your opponent to realize that, that if they charge you with uh with fourth units that you're that you have trouble killing, and then uh, you have to take the next turn. Uh, you're gonna fail, make the land tremble. Whereas on, on the warpath, your opponent can't easily deny it. Um, it's more a matter of you thinking ahead and knowing that around turn four and five, if my opponent's territory is not close to where my megas are, I have to start moving toward their territory. Uh, and you only have to be within it. You just have to toe tap into their territory. So even if their territory is only 11 inches off their side of the table, um, just on turn five, just have your last two or th one or two megas run over and tap their territory. I don't like that purely because there are situations and it can happen quite often where let's say Soul Black Gravelord summons a uh, a unit that re resummons a unit from their um their uh, grave sites. It's now in your backfield. Now it's contesting your objective. I need to run back and go protect it and that could be the game or uh, it could swing differently. Yeah, it's not. It's not a. It's I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, but and it's sold by Gravelord. There's going to be an army. You're going to have trouble with making land tremble too, um, uh, because a big a big horde of skeletons or zombies can tie up some megas, but it it has play. Um, there's a lot of missions where territories touch the middle of the table, which which makes it pretty easy to do. Uh, I have had the situation you can't, you described happen before, and it's tough. You just have to weigh at the end of the game, like, do I want three points or do I really need to take this objective back? Um, 
Do I want but, to win? Do I want to win the game? Sometimes <laughs> it can be the difference yeah. between the points difference, right? So and usually, usually getting the grand strategy is better than scoring, than grabbing an objective on turn five. But um, I do like on the warpath has option for a four mega list. And by the way, folks, yes, um, the uh, foot sloggers and boss of the stomp has changed. It is now both of them, not one or the other. So um, that's a, a good quality of life win that changed from the battle scroll. So with the time we have left, I'd love to get into the weeds, especially because you've been dropping these little nuggets, folks. I don't know if you've been noticing this, but he keeps, he keeps mentioning this unit that is not in our battle tome. And like he keeps talking about it. So it's not this list. We've got three lists to go through. Three is in three, not three like that. I, I put my hand up as four. Here's your first list. Um, it's a Stomper Tribe list. Make the land tremble. Inspired twice. So you've gone double inspired. So you want two triumphs. You may or may not know you can do that, but absolutely you can take a second triumph for your um, enhancement. You've gone with a War Stomper, Mega Gargant, General, Eager for a fight, Glowy Shield of Protection, and King Brod. You've gone two units of three uh, Man Crusher mobs and then one unit of uh, singular Man Crusher Gargant. So uh, wrapped up in Boss of the Stomp and Foot Sloggers. Uh, you've gone the Triumph as the extra enhancement, 1950 for 159 wounds in a two drop. So what's this doing and how does it work at a, you know, very high level, right? You've only got five units. We've mentioned a few times that uh, some players, when play Gargus, really just want to run in and smash things. Um, and I think this list is the way to do it. Um, especially if you're planning to a, a, a bunch of armies with lots of little, little models, like zombies or skeletons or um, free guild in the New Cities book. Um, the man crusher mobs get to run in charge when they're wholly within uh 15 i think it is of a mega gargant uh 12 or 15. uh and the uh command trait eager to fight on the war stopper gives you a 3d6 charge on that general so really uh and king broad can get everybody plus two inches movement or an extra hip of rend uh so really you you're going to be charging your opponent down uh uh and get, getting into this stuff. Um, the the points changes. Uh, I think we didn't mention earlier, but when all the Mega Guards went down, the Man Crushers also went down to 140 each, which means you often get to do this. You get to take one extra on the side so that, uh, and the one extra will be probably holding your backfield and running around in circles to get your grand strategy. Uh, you have the initial answer for the Triumph simply because. Uh, the change to bosses of the stomp lets you take your enhancement and get lower drops, and there's simply no uh, uh, room for enhancements on Broad or the War Stomper. So you get two triumphs, which is good. You can give two both Man Crusher mobs. You can charge both of them in, give them both plus plus one to hit from the War Stomper because the tribe lets you issue a command to all your Man Crushers, and you give them plus one to wound for both of them from both triumphs. And at 1950, you usually get the triumph. Um, uh, maybe less so now that a couple endless spells went up in cost in the last battle scroll, but uh, people might be taking them less. But I find at 1950, you usually get the triumph. Um, I'm, I'm kind of noticing that people are moving away from fighting for the triumph, it seems. Like I know I've just run 100 player GT at my. Uh, and most people were sitting around 1990, 1980, 2000. So. 
Um, there was a time where people were playing at 1900 and giving away 100 points. But I think people are using their points to try to find that extra entorian locus in their list or they're, they're trying to find that endless spell. Um, so yeah, they're trying you've, to find got, the... you've, got, you've got a good shot. You've got a good shot. And I feel you got a great shot. People were trying to fit in. Uh, they were trying to fit in uh, Malevolent Maelstroms. That's less so now. That went up to 50 points in the last battle scroll, and it, the rules changed that slightly. But like Suffocating Gravetide at 30, Geminids at 50. Um, some armies have some really cheap Endorian Locuses they can take. Um, people are are going to be hovering usually around 1970 to 2000. Uh, yeah. At 1950, you're going to get it most of the time, unless you come across someone who's also really gunning for the Triumph. Like Gitz. Gitz, Gitz is always playing for the Triumph, especially they can't afford to to lose Battle Shock. And just to clarify, Chris, um, keeping up, which is the rule that Man Crushers can run and charge, if it is within fifteen inches, not wholly, just within. So yeah, that's that, right. That's that's very beneficial for the Man Crusher mob where there's three models. So just keeping them within, just tag, and then off you go. Yeah. So this list, like, you, um, it's it's. Maybe not the most solid list for a GT, but you're going to smash some folks with it. Uh, even if you don't play against a heavy infantry army, man crushers with extra run from broad or with plus one to hit and wound are going to do some damage. And you also, with seven man crushers, that's a potential seven D3 mortal wounds in the, just in the charge phase uh, from charges uh, on those guys. So yeah, this is, this is the run and smash army. Um, uh, you might have a little trouble with your turn one Val tactic, but uh, I don't think you care. I think in this army, you're, you're, you just want to run the opponent down, um, kill as much stuff as they can, and then have the man crushers fall over on top of what you don't kill. <laughs> so, a couple of other call outs that I'll make before we move on to the other list is um, the man crusher mobs. I don't see them very often. Um, but something that if you, if you haven't looked at it for a while, they've got an interesting rule called Ooh Under the Heels now, where basically if you run, if you do the Stomp Monstrous Rampage um, on a 2+, plus, you will do, um, what is it, D3 for each Man two. Crusher? It's D3 yeah. plus 2, so you, you would do a couple of extra cheeky mortal wounds there. Yeah, so that's um, potential, like, seven. It's D3 mortal wounds from each one just from making the charge, and then another D3 plus 2. Um, and also you have to consider like the shooting attacks and war stomper you get the war stomper can give them all extra shooting attacks for this is 14 potential shooting attacks uh before you charge in if you didn't run literally where i was about to go not only that you've also got the extra plus one attacks for the throwing rocks under the stomper tribe you also get some extra attacks from the get stuck in where if you are fighting a horde you'd be getting extra uh plus one damage or potentially plus two damage which is going to be great for those zombie fights, for example. Um, and then you, uh, the fact that you're getting so many stuff them in the bags too, like every every one of those man crushers are going to get a stuff them in the yeah. bag attack. So um, there's some sneaky attacks going on in there. Yeah, you could you could break up the man crushers too. There's no reason you can't run three and then four individuals or even a bunch of individuals if you don't mind going higher drops. Uh, I like the mobs just because they all get to swing at the same time in combat. Um, uh, I personally to, like yeah. I'd like the mob better if it had three inch coherency like like dragons. If I had that, I would like the mob much more like that. But as it stands, I personally would run more singles and maybe one mob. But pick yeah, they also did get uh, like 
uh, hurt a little bit by the rally change. So that was the, when rally changed and it was mostly targeted at Gits, uh, it inadvertently hit the mob because you, can, you can't rally more than 10 wounds now, which means you just can't rally. Oh, yeah, you can't rally. They're 12. They're 12 wounds. I was thinking, I'm no. like, oh, you can rally one. No, you can't rally any of them. That's stupid. I <laughs> Stupid. Games Workshop. Let me rally a baby. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do have to wrap up soon because I've got work to to get into. So I want to get into the, the – I always want to talk about your two lists and kind of bring this home. Um, the second one is uh, your uh, – one that I really want to talk about because you've talked about it and alluded a few times, right? It's a Breaker Tribe, and that's not what makes it special, right? So Breaker Tribe's pretty good. You've got the ears with flags, uh, make the land tremble. Cool, no problems. Um, but where this gets spicy is you've got two Gatebreaker Mega Gargans and a War Stomper. Sweet. Um, and then you've also got the Rapper Rouser and the, the uh, Regiment of Renown that was in Dawnbringers 1. So it is a package for 500 points. You get yourself a little Gits hero called the Rabble Rouser. Uh, you also get five Gobapalooza. You get some Squeak Herd and some Squeak Hoppers. Um, so that, what's going on there and why would you spend 500 points, which could be another Gatebreaker, on Gits? Yeah, uh, this is it's, it's an interesting way to build Gargans. It's one of the lists I've had the most success with so far in this GHB. Um, because the, the gets bring you a lot of options you didn't have before in the, in the Gargans book, and just a, a lot of board presence, too, that you didn't have before. And honestly, the main reason is because they're so good at scoring battle tactics. Um, they have the option of, of deep striking, of coming in off the board edge six inches away uh, from your enemy. I mean, I'm nine inches away from your enemy, six inches from the board edge. Um, and, but when they come in off the board edge, it's at the start of your first hero phase, and they don't have to come in together, which means that you could, for example, put the Rabble Rouser, if your enemy left a spot behind them, you could put him back there, and then put the Gabapalooza on your board edge so that you can cast Mystic Shield, and then put the Squig Herd or the Hoppers on a different board edge. And all of a sudden, you've scored Surround and Destroy at the mm. top of turn one. Or uh, simply just put the Gabapalooza outside of 30 inches of your opponent's wizards, and you could do magical dominance turn one as long as you don't miscast. Um, uh, so just depend how you feel with your luck right there. Um, and just in general, um, having more units makes it easier to score Intimidate the Invaders, because you could put all the gits outside of your territory, and then you've scored Intimidate the Invaders. Um, doing bait and trap is easier when you have seven units versus mm. four or five. Um, uh, they help a little bit with lead into the maelstrom because Rabble Rouse is a hero. He can he can charge and count as one of your charges. Um, and then uh, the other the other important thing with them is Rabble, Rabble Rouse's ability to let all your Mega Gargans run in charge as long as they charge as long as they end their movement closer to him when you run it when you charge. Uh, which sounds restrictive, but is not really as restrictive as as it seems. Uh, since you can deep strike the Rabble Rouser, even if your opponent realizes what you're doing and zones and prevents you from deep striking behind them, uh, you deep strike to one side of the table. Let's say you deep strike to your left side, put the Rabble Rouser as far as you can on your left. Then all your Mega Guards have to do is turn a little bit to the left when they run. They don't have to go directly toward them. So um, it gives you the option of a and you can do it with all three of your megas so it just gives you a lot of mobility without having to take amber bone totem or you're for the fight 
Um, it gives you it gives you extra units. It gives you screens. It gives you a wizard. It gives you the ability to run and charge through the rabble rouser. And I know as a Gits player, I can't justify this because I don't have the monsters that I want to be able to do this with. This is the perfect combination because you also get the inherent in the Regiment of Renown, the ability to come in on the side of the board. So without that rule, different story, but the fact that you can choose to either put it in your territory, their territory, and they don't have to be put together as a package does bring some great utility. And to your point, um, a couple of battle tactics you can score along the way. And I tell you what, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, if I'm a Gargant player and I put down some gits, I guarantee you my opponent is probably going to ignore them or be just generally confused. Like, what are they doing and why are they there? And if they focus on them, great. They're not focusing on your mechas. If they ignore yeah. them, you got a lot of cool things you can tap into. Yeah. Um, well, like you said, you could put them on the... You don't have to deep strike them. You put them as heavily use them as screens, which is just something we haven't really had access to before. The best you could do before is put a few man crashers in front of your mega guardians. But um, in this case, you get to put... 22 squigs in front of your gargants and that's a little harder for them to get through uh, uh, and you could uh but when you put them off the table and you deep strike them uh, or ambush them off the edge yeah it brings us to kind of to your opponent like do i go deal with the gits and ignore the mega and, and have to like pull resources away that could be trying to fight megas to go fight a bunch of squigs or do i ignore them and the squigs just start taking objectives and uh harassing my heroes and um scoring battle tactics uh they the gabapalooza is, is just a great unit for not only handing out buffs to the other squigs but casting mystic shield onto your megas casting the mesmerize spell which is no commands um uh, if you really want to you could ambush them just nine inches away from your opponent and uh uh do no commands so uh yeah, it just brings a lot of utility, a lot of play. Um, a couple of other things as a, as a Gits player as well. Squig Hopper will do some mortal wounds when you pass over a unit and they've got a really good movement characteristic. Your Squig Herd uh, will do a bunch of damage. And as we know, uh, when they flee from Battle Shock on a 2+, plus, they'll do some mortal wounds on the way out. It's only a small unit, so don't expect too many, but they are two wounds each. The Gobapalooza is a double wizard. Uh, there's two wizards. At the start of the game, they are a 4-plus ward, turns to 5-plus, then a 6-up as the game kind of progresses. And as you said, there are two interesting spells as well. So there's the uh, no commands as well as, isn't there a minus one to hit bubble in the other one? Yeah, it's a minus one to hit bubble, but it only affects gets units. So uh, it's, oh, it oh, is it's nice. If, if you've deployed them to use as a screen instead of ambushing them, then it's great uh, because you have screens that are minus one to hit. Um, but... Uh, Otherwise, they're probably casting Mystic Shield and Mesmerize, um, or just using casting minus one to hit, so that it's harder for your opponent to try to hit them. And before you ask, folks, they are not Entorian Locuses, so you can't put Blizzard Hall Frost or anything on them. They're not Entorian Locuses, but it yeah. does give you a little bit of magic, and you know allows you to not use Heroic Willpower to get yourself an Unbind. You could be tapping into the Gobapalooza to to get your Primal Magic dice to Unbind and still healing or getting an extra command point or whatever heroic action you want to use. Yeah. And in general, just it lets, we talked about the, uh, the mighty ducks formation that you like, um, this having the gets lets you take objectives around the board 
and still keep that formation if you really need to. Um, uh, whereas in the past, you'd have to like have a couple of megas go take one objective, a couple of megas take another objective. Just have the squigs and the squig hoppers take a couple of objectives and keep the megas together as long as you can. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really good shout. And I think it's definitely some interesting thoughts around how you might bring in the regiments of renown. And if you don't want to use them, there is another regiment of renown, which is the Cruel Boys, which allows you to bring in, I think it's like 400 points, don't quote me on this, but it does bring you some shooting, which is another dimension that we really lack. If you want to be able to do some high value shooting and some have some units on the backfield, you could be pew-pewing with consistency as opposed to our inconsistent rock throwing um, yeah. at best. They, they don't they don't give you the tactics utility uh, that the that the kids do but they i think do think they're they're good for the points agreed agreed i think especially now where you've got like battle tactics where you like charge some units or, or retreat and you know if a unit retreats and then some other units charge you need yeah. more units and this is where the uh the gits one does come into play the yeah. last one is a regiment of renown, army of renown, King Broad Stomp, uh, Overshadow, King Broad, Gatebreaker, Mega Gargant with the uh, Big Eater and the Lucky Shiny Hat for the five-up ward. You've got a Gatebreaker and you've got a, another Gatebreaker and you've got a War Stomper with the Nullstone Adornment, the hand-carved Nullstone icon. So what's this doing? This is a bit what we talked about earlier when you asked me how would I build... Uh... A King Broad Stomp army. And I think this is where I start. Um, four megas because they all get to pick up the terrain, and uh, Broad likes being next to uh, a big mega to keep his five of ward as long as possible. Um, you got the big eater because that helps all your megas uh, heal. Uh, I got that shiny hat because I told you I, I want to try that out before I just go back to the Amulet Destiny. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, it's it's gonna struggle with some battle tactics. Uh, well, it's gonna struggle turn one. If you have to go first turn one, which you probably uh, will about two thirds to half the time since you're stuck at four drops, um, uh, you're gonna, you might struggle on some missions with your turn one battle tactic if you can't do intimidate the invaders and get out of your territory. Uh, but after that, it should actually be fine. I think you'll score. Mm at least four every game because of we talked about how good two of those battle tactics in broad stomp are yeah and obviously it's going to depend on the grand strategy and what that looks like moving forward i know you've gone overshadow which is a great um alternative but yeah. let's let's revisit and see what um what they do with the grand strategy they just can't be achieved right now so Stay tuned on that one. But it's an interesting combination. Um, I personally probably feel a bit weird running four megas at the moment. I think as much as I love running four megas, I just I maybe I've got a little bit of a crutch right now with threes, like having some babies and um but at the same time, if I'm not using make the land trumble, maybe I don't need to have the yeah. maybe I don't need the, the babies. And does that change? I don't know. Like for me, I like to be able to scream with the babies or I like to be able to um, counter charge with them in a, obviously not in a formal way, but being able to then like swing them around pins and some of the utility, the, the, the baby, like the extra shooting attacks that the babies bring to the party. I don't know. I can't believe I'm defending babies. I, I used to hate them. I used to hate them. I used to always be a four mega guy. Um, yeah. I was now, a four mega guy for the longest and, uh, uh, but and it is sort of my default to go back to it. 
with the new sub faction. But I think uh, I think when you're playing King Broad Stomp, you're just playing for primary points and and for and for hitting things. The two rate breakers with the King Broad can do some good damage. Now that the gatebreakers are down in points, um, and that was always one of my challenges, was that the gatebreakers were like five, what five twenty-five or something, and they were always like you made a list with two gatebreakers and broad, and you never had enough points to get another mega. So it was always like three plus one or three plus something. And sometimes I'd run a list with like eighteen ninety just because I couldn't afford anything and nothing else fit into that slot. But there's been enough points discounts between even the babies to to all to the big boys. Um, there is a bit more list flexibility, which is is super neat. Yeah, we have seen some people doing uh, fairly well with just four Gatebreaker Mega Grinds now, since you can fit four of them. Yes. Uh, if you get some good matchups where and and you uh, and you're playing Breaker Tribes, so you have plus one to hit against what stuff. Uh, you can do a lot of damage and uh, uh, do well. I have considered that. Or you could do three and the Regiment of Renown, right? Because that is exactly 500 yeah. points. So when you're playing that... the Regiment of Renown, like the other the megas that you take are kind of to taste. Just uh, uh, I, I had the War Stomper in there because I personally like Triumph bids. Uh, I, I want that Triumph as much as I can get it. And I don't want my opponent to get plus one to wound against me. But um, you see people playing Beast Smashers or Crack Neaters or King Broad that are, I mean, it works, it works great. Yeah, I, th I think that's the great thing, right, is that there is no one silver bullet with this list. There's a lot of flexibility, and ultimately it depends on your style and if you want to go all smash, if you want to go defensive, if you want to, uh, obviously, how you're thinking about it. And I think that's the right way to think is about how do I score my battle tactics as opposed to what is ultimate smash because smash only yeah. gets you so far. When you drop your battle tactics, you've got nothing for turn one, turn two. You have been in combat too long and you've got nothing for turn four or turn five. So really think about that. And it's often why I think about durability as opposed to smash. As much as I love, you know, um, uh, what is it, the mantle? What's the uh, what's the stupid universal artifact for plus one to wound? Um, Manticore Venom. Uh, Manticore Venom. As much as I want to put Manticore Venom on my Gatebreaker, I still rather putting five extra wounds and an artifact to give it a ward. It's yep. anti me, but the longer I have that mega on the table, the more pain and uh, objective scoring I'm 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 doing. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to share at this particular point uh, about Gargans, or do you want to bring us home? Uh, I think we we've covered Gargans pretty extensively now. Um... Uh, there's a lot of a lot of interesting options we've gained in the last in the last year and more of the, what we can put in the army and how to play it and even just you know this weekend getting this new Darmbringers book another new way to play it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we're. Uh, I think it. I think yeah I think oh, look I think we're optimistic right I think whether you use this book or not do I think you need to use this book to be super competitive with King Broad Stomp. No. Yeah. Does it bring something a little bit different to the table? Absolutely. Does Chris show you the reg the, um, the regiment of renown from the kids actually brings a different dimension? Yes. So I think there's a lot of cool options and it's your play style and what you like and um, how your local competitive scene or even like the global meta, how it kind of moves along the way. It's probably one thing I'm excited about is that at times it felt like we had no options. 
now it feels like there's a lot of cool options. So for that, I'm excited. But Chris, before I log off and go to actually to work, um, is there anything that you want to kind of, any people you want to shout out? And if people want to chat to you more about uh, Gargants, where can they find you? Uh, if you want to uh, yell at me about uh, Mega Gargants and how I'm wrong or uh, whatever, uh, I'm on Discord, uh, the AOS Coach uh, Discord. You can find me in the Gargants or the Gist channels usually. Uh, just Chris S there, and then uh, 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 sometimes I'm on Twitter or X or whatever it is now at Danimo25, but uh, I don't really post there much. Just uh, uh, just reading it, but um, I think just uh, yell loud enough the Gargant channel and the Coach Discord, and I'll I'll might might see it. You'll, you'll you'll be summoned, but where they can also summon you is in your local community, which is. Yeah, uh, uh, here in Houston, the Grand Alliance Houston, uh, if you're in the area, it's a great community uh, for playing games. We're hosting uh, this week in Hammerfest, um, great big 82-person uh, tournament at the moment. Um, at, or there's also the broader Texas Masters scene, Texas Masters, uh, let me make sure it's .com, .com, yes, texasmasters.com. Texas I'll, Masters I'll put the link in the episode. Like the Texas scene is incredible, and I've had so many people from the Texas yeah, we scene do, on Yeah, we do channel. at least four, four GTs a year uh, spread out around Texas, and it's it's a great scene, lots of great players. Um, if you're in the area or you want to fly in and, and play, I really recommend it. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you for your time. I hope Gargant players, you aren't feeling like we've been left out in the dark because I'm a Gargant player as well. <laughs> I am excited both to try the new King Broad Stomp, to try some of the Gits builds, but also, you know, just because we don't play with the Primal Magic Dice or Entorian Locuses doesn't mean the game has left us behind. Actually, I think there's a lot of cool things we can play around with. And my personal experience, and I had a game against the Suns player recently where I was playing Gits, they were playing Suns. Jonathan, um, if you're listening, I know you're listening. Um, like, it was a really tough battle. Like, it's my Gits players. Even though I had Entorian Locuses, even I had Cheap Wizards and Blizzard and Hoarfrost, it was tough to pull them down. And my list was not built to handle and pull down like 35 to 40 wounds in a single turn. And uh, I think a lot of armies are going to struggle outside of that. So uh, leverage that to your advantage and you'll be rewarded for your good play. Folks, that's all. I hope you enjoyed the stream. Chris, you going to say something finally? No, I think I think you, you cover right there. Well, we have a lot of surprising, uh, surprising well play in the current GHB. And uh, uh, we might not get all the toys uh, the other people get, but we get to smash the toys, which is also right. fun the best smash if you enjoyed the episode don't forget to like and subscribe if you're new to the channel i appreciate your uh your your help we just achieved twenty thousand subscribers so big milestone tick onwards up to uh a hundred thousand probably is the next milestone long jump long stride uh but uh thank you all and if you want to chat more about gargans chris is in the discord link is in the episode description and until next time uh I was going to say shoot the heroes, but like, let's throw rocks at heroes. Let's just like throw things at those stupid wizards. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for hanging around until the end. I hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas. Now, if you did, I would love it if you press like on the video, as well as left me a comment with your thoughts. The conversation will continue over on Discord, and the link is down below in the episode description. 
I also want to give a massive shout out to the AOS Coach patrons and YouTube members who are supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here. So cheers, you are all bloody legends. And until next time, don't roll a double one on a spell cast.